Hello. Feel the cold, crisp chill in the air. Black cats and pumpkins and all that business. Happy Halloween, Cathode Ray Mission. I am Randy Hire, Randall Hire to some, to my lawyer, and uh, <laughs> coming to you from OKC and live via satellite, as always, Will Scoville from Berkeley, California. Hey, hey. How's it going, Randy? I'm doing well. Having a so. grand old time, hanging out in the spookiest month, October. Hell yeah. Little peek behind the curtain. It's September. This is the fourth episode we recorded today. Although this will probably come out in late October. Yeah. Or maybe early October, depending on how the next session goes. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Today we are covering a movie that is near and dear to my heart that I love. I recently, I am sort of an obsession-driven person. And sometimes that manifests good and bad in good ways when I like a movie and I just end up watching a movie over and over and over again. And this is a movie that really tickled my fancy about six odd months ago, right about before the pandemic happened. I just couldn't stop watching Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, confusingly titled The Revenge of Michael Myers, directed by... Because part four was the, the, The Return... Right? Yes. Okay. Which Revenge is, it looks good on paper, but it's like, I guess, and he does have something to revenge in part four, uh, but this one is directed by Dominique Othenen Girard. <laughs> uh, we can sure call about that? D.O.G. <laughs> uh, an interesting... A weird, weird guy. This is one of those movies that's, they got a weird, he's a Swiss-French director. And he brings a certain style that would never, was never seen before in the franchise and would never be seen again. <laughs> that I think is, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? First impressions on Halloween Five, Will? This is a. So, by the way, a lot of people consider this to be the worst of the series until Part okay. Eight happened. This was considered well, to be the worst. Randy, I'm going to admit this to the podcast listening audience, even though I, I've already admitted it to you via text. Um, I have not seen any of the, of the Halloween movies. Uh, it has just always been a blind spot for me. Horror is a, a much more recent thing in my movie-going experience. Uh, I didn't really start watching it until my 20s, um, and then even not that much. So Halloween is just kind of like not a set of movies that I've ever watched. And so Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, is the first Halloween movie I have ever <laughs> all the way through. Um, so that with that said, um, I don't... <laughs> I don't know what I'm judging this one against, but there's a lot that I could figure out based on um, just kind of who these people are, how they're acting, and the things they say. Like, don't you remember when this happened? And, you know, I'm like, oh, that must be a guy that did something in the last movie or movies. Um, So it really wasn't hard to figure a lot of this stuff out, and it kind of made me curious about what else 
these people, like how else they were involved in this killer's life and why he keeps hunting them. Um, so I don't know. It was a good. It was a good spot to drop in on. I think um, definitely uh, definitely makes me more curious about what else the Halloween franchise has to offer, especially those two Rob Zombie movies. I'm really I'm really uh, looking to, to to watch those and enjoy myself. Are you really? Uh, I no, not really. Yeah, <laughs> I was like. Oh, maybe are you a fan? But uh, no, those are <laughs> those are the worst. I, that, that, that's my understanding is that those are terrible. I mean, those are okay. Here's the deal: Halloween has three different timelines that stem from the first movie. There's Halloween one, and then Halloween two, with Jamie Lee Curtis that they made like a year or two later. Um, and honestly, you could say four even because Halloween 2 ends so definitively. I feel like that should have just been the end, you know, and like I like to watch it and think of it that way. Like this is just the end of it, but it's not. So anyway, Halloween 3, if you don't know, notoriously is like kind of an oddball sequel. Uh I use it sometimes to describe when somebody makes like an album or a book or a movie that is like the odd, the weird duck, you know. It's like the Halloween 3 of the series is sometimes I refer to it that way. Um, because, yeah, Halloween 3 is like what John Carpenter, what his wish, him and Deborah Hill, who wrote and direct and produced respectively the um, first movie, what their wish was was for Halloween to be an, an anthology series where it'd be like Halloween, colon, Season of the Witch, and mm. it'd be a, a totally different story, but a Halloween-related, Halloween-themed story. Mm. And so they did their best to, like, let the public know, and, you know, I guess maybe just the best wasn't good enough, like, not Carpenter, but everyone involved, you know, to let them know that Michael Myers is not in this one because people were confused and didn't like it. It's more of, like, a sci-fi. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, um, uh, I think it was written on the instruction of bring witchcraft into the computer age or something like that. <laughs> There's some quote. And it actually, like, I mean, it's fucking cool. I love Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, but... It's just like they wanted part four to be a ghost story, but it just didn't work out that way. And the Akkad family, Mustafa Akkad <coughs> and his sons now, they've owned Halloween since I think part two maybe. They maybe even have like some vested interest in the first one, although I think they come on board at part two. There's a book, great book called Taking Shape that's all about the screenwriting story development process of all each of the movies and stuff mm. that's terrific like really good and that that guy's done other cool books but um so okay i got a little bit off track but um there's part one two and then four five and six are one timeline then part one two and then h2o which Emily lee curtis is its own contained trilogy Huh, okay. <laughs> and then the new one that David Gordon Green frustratingly titled Halloween is a direct sequel to the original Halloween movie. 
Okay. So, so Will, it ignores like part two and H2O. Completely. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so, and all, and the movie we watched today and this whole timeline. Although, like, in a fun way, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, who co wrote it, they um, have little nods to each of the movies, including Season of the Witch, the non Michael Myers one, and this one, even. And like six is like, I mean, I said this is the worst one. Six is like pretty fucking bad. Like, <laughs> I, okay, here's my take on this, at least. I like this one. To mm-hmm. me, I think two is really, two is like some of the artistry you sacrifice for more conventional gore and they do it up big. They do some really fun, some of the more iconic stuff that you remember Michael doing. Not you, Will, since you've never seen any of these, but <laughs> if you saw him as a kid and you haven't seen him in a while, so I bet some of the stuff that you think is in part one is actually in part two. Like the shot of him uh, putting a scalpel in a nurse and lifting her up from behind, like that wide, long shot down the hall. Like that's that's part two. There's like lots of good stuff from part two and Mr. Sandman and shit being in the movie. That's from part two. But um, it is Carpenter's involved enough and he actually directed some extra scenes himself like ghost directed and stuff that it maintains the style the style is so distinct and strong on halloween one that's why one of the big reasons why it's a masterpiece it's one of those lightning in the bottle movies as some like amazing talent came from nowhere and made a great movie with like based on somebody saying like make me a somebody killing babysitters with a knife was like what he was told to do. And that's what he made mm-hmm. it made, you know? So part four, I apologize. I feel like I'm monologuing at you. Will. And it's not what this that's podcast is about, but I'm just like laying it out for you about why this movie is special to me. Um, three fails. Three actually has the style still using Dean Cundy. Carpenter's involved doing the score. I think he wrote it too. Um, and then Tommy Lee Wallace, who's like a dude who studied under Carpenter, he's directing. It's an all in the family still. Uh, after that, falls out and fails. Basically, Carpenter, if he's involved at all, it's in like an extremely limited capacity. Alan Howarth, who's a collaborator with Carl Carpenter, he just takes over completely doing the score from now on for part four and this is like Mustafa Akkad's show basically and for better or worse he's trying to bring it back to what you had in part one and a lot of people love part four I personally think it's kind of drab and boring and not so good but that's where you're getting a lot of these characters this is a direct it's funny that you haven't seen any of them because this is a direct continuation of the Part four, the return of Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. And four, five, and six function almost as their own trilogy nestled within the entire series, too. So this is the middle part of the trilogy. (laughs) The Man Man of Black stuff is notoriously like everyone hates it. (laughs) <laughs> but so I, I I did get that because the movie starts out very much with the typical like slasher horror movie like 
We killed him in the last movie. Here's a clip to prove it. But did we? Yes. And, and then picks up from there. It's like Porky's the next day, essentially. Yes. And um, so Michael Myers is just like filled with bullets, um, falls into a mine shaft, but is okay. And he, and he, and yeah, he finds his way to some hermit and then. <laughs> Living down later, by the river. This takes place in Illinois. You know, yeah. it's like. Uh, I mean, this movie embraces the, that's where one of the things, okay, positive one for this movie. It fully embraces how ridiculous this is. Yeah. And this hermit thing, they had their new reshoots because it originally was like a goth punk dude. He was doing like satanic rituals or like druid rituals. Yeah. To bring Michael back and People, like, they didn't like it, or there's some reason why they had to reshoot it. And so there's elements of that still in there in the cut. Like, you can briefly see parts from the original cut, which is lost, too, by the way, I'm pretty sure. And then with this hermit shit that makes no fucking sense. But the hermit takes care of him in a coma for, like, a year, I guess. Yeah. So there's that, and so all that is, like... the preface of that is like, hey, this happened at the end of this movie. And that, then at the end the of the movie... stuff didn't only happens in part five. Him getting shot. All of him getting shot and, you know, there's the, the little girl and, yes, and yes, her yes, sister yes. and all that shit. And then at the end of this movie, there's this man in black who busts Michael Myers out of prison. And I'm like, well, I guess <laughs> that's going to be wrapped up in part six. So... You'd think... Sort of. I think, uh, well, I don't know. Does it, does it get wrapped up in any other movie? Um, okay. So, The Man in Black, people, like, blame the director for putting this in the movie. <laughs> All right. Let's just talk about the director. He's like, it's like. I am so fascinated with Hollywood has done this over and over again where they get some, like, weird <coughs> European hotshot, like, art person to make a movie, basically. Like, he had made some movie called, like, After Dark or something like that with Julian Sands. Mm, um, Night Angel or... Uh... No, After Darkness. Okay, yeah. After Darkness has John Hurt. It's like a kind of a classier. But he... Being French and stuff, this reminds me of um, the cinema du look movement <laughs> that Luc Besson is part of. And the Betty Blue is one of those movies. I can't remember what that guy's name. It's all French and stuff. Yeah. To me, looking, I just having watched Nikita and stuff a bunch lately, just because I have it on my computer and it's like, I don't know. It's a fun movie to watch and stuff. This, I feel like he's coming from it stylistically from that point of view and like looking at it in that lens that he's a Frenchman, you know, or like fresh Swiss French guy, some weird, weird European guy who would, everyone would hate this and never give him another chance, you know, to do something. He's doing, taking weird big swings that make this movie really unique, you know? Like, there's some camera moves 
that are fun and cool and European, mm-hmm. you know, that bring a weird fl- like if you watch four at like after this, I don't know if this movie maybe we'll just you'll disavow Halloween completely or not, but four is very bland and flat. Four mm-hmm. feel talk about something that feels like shot for TV almost, but you know, I don't know. Compared to this where the camera moves a lot and follows yeah. and gets weird. He does weird, makes weird, bad, maybe, but interesting choices, you know, at all times, I think. So a couple things I noticed about this movie is that, and I don't know if this kind of follows suit with some of the other Halloween movies, but um, there's a long, it's a, it's a long, I mean, it takes a while to kind of really get going. And yeah. there's a part where this, the sister is in her house and Michael Myers is there like the whole time and he keeps showing up in the background, but that's not introduced with any sort of like sound cue or music cue. (laughs) He's just kind of there and it's spooky. And he's just like, you know, he's just hanging around the house. Yeah. Um, And you know, what's going to end up, what will eventually happen. Um, And I thought that was interesting. It wasn't, I don't know if it worked or not, but it was an interesting move. Um, but the other thing was that in the second half, I really enjoyed the second half of this movie. Um, this is kind of, you know, uh, after that weird costume pageant that's some, for some reason on a balcony in someone's house instead of like at an auditorium, yeah. uh, it, it becomes this like crazy chase and the whole time where they're in this, I guess that's. Michael Myers' old house that they're in. Uh-huh. And that girl is in, like, the laundry chute. And, you know, he's trying to reach her. He can't open the laundry chute because she's holding on to it. So he goes to the basement and unlocks it and is, like, reaching up, trying to get her, and then just starts stabbing the 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 chute with, like, the knife going through. Yeah. She's, like, trying to... I was like, this is great, man. This is, like... That's one of the Exciting. best moments of the entire series. I think that's one of the best moments in a slasher movie. It, like, it was, like, genuinely, like, tense, and that girl was great at just, like, you know, really trying to get, like, knowing the stakes of that and um, everything else. And it was just, like, it in that house, it really turned into a, like, what I think, you know, a fully realized slasher movie. Mm-hmm. And... Like we kind of mentioned this on previous episodes, talking about like um, Friday the Thirteenth and even Nightmare on Elm Street, where Nightmare on Elm Street it is like this supernatural thing. This like child molester figures out how to enter the dreams, kids' dreams through the 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 afterlife. So yeah. it's a really weird like um, supernatural horror. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth morphs eventually into like essentially a redneck zombie movie kind of but also really a slasher movie but i still like he's not a zombie he's intelligent i don't know it he's it's kind of crosses the line of being a zombie versus just a mentally disabled he's undead child yeah uh but michael myers from what i understand is always implied that he's a living human being um, yeah, he never he's never so, resurrected by lightning like Jason is. Yeah, no. And so to me, this is really just like a true slasher movie because it's just a madman with a knife killing people who has an agenda, who has a reason. He's after certain people 
and the other people he kills kind of are just getting in his way. And it really feels like he's a stalker versus a monster. He... Um, okay. I don't... I... Don't, I I think your assessment, I know you've only seen one of these movies. You're not totally correct there because he withstands bullets. And you saw at the beginning of this one, and it's like, so it's with a classic mistake where they like revive something. They're like, finally, we brought Michael back, and now we can make more of these. And they like obliterate him at the end of part four yeah. with like, yeah. the, like all the rednecks in town show up and, like, fucking shotgun him to death, and he falls down a well. And what happens at the end of part four after that is Daniel Harris uh, playing, who's the little girl, I can't remember what her name is in the movie. Um, she is basically, it's implied, has been possessed by whatever was driving Michael and murders her stepmom. Mm. And so, okay. So she, that was her. They showed a clip of that in the in this one, where she puts on a mask. Yes. And is killing her. And so is that why she is like? That's why she's institutionalized in this. Okay. One. And they and talk so she, about it. Is she mute in part four? No. Okay. She's like a normal girl in part four, and she's okay. all shell-shocked and fucking like... And that's Daniel Harris, who would later be in both Rob Zombie movies. She was in Stakeland, which we also have done. Um, she's in The Last Boy Scout. She's in lots of lots of good stuff. Um, oh, she's in what Mark for Death, which is also directed by Dwight Little, who directed part four. Not this one. Dwight Little... Yeah is a great action director. He directed Mark for Death with Seagal and Rapid Fire with uh, Brandon Lee. And I love both of those movies. I am not a huge... I think part Halloween 4 is... It's good, but after you've watched it a couple times, there's not a whole lot to get into. Like, you've seen it, and you don't ever need to see yeah. it again. Whereas this one is so odd and strange... I th it didn't really complete my thought, but you know, like uh, earlier when I was talking about when they get some weird European guy, he makes one movie. Like Gothica is a movie. I think it's directed by somebody yeah. named Pitoff. Uh, fucking Demolition Man is directed by some weird dude who never made another movie. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those movies, kind of, you know, but it's a weird. I, I would say that like Robocop is one of those, but you had but he, who was just. Um, um, a genius and was able to continue doing that. Yes, um, that's an example of that happening and that guy being <clears throat> successful. Rennie Harlan's another example of that. Mm -hmm. uh, Rennie Harlan, who did a famous uh, horror sequel, uh, remade a horror sequel, um, the, the Exorcist prequel. Um, oh yeah, because there was a he remade it after Paul Schrader was fired. And so Which they put out that Paul Schrader version as well. That's um, insane that that yeah. happened. Like, yeah, that, yeah, Paul Schrader made a movie and they rejected it, hired Rennie Harlan, who utilized like 25% of the footage or something and shot new footage with the same actors. And it was called, 
One was called Exorcist Dominion. The Beginning. The yeah. Rennie Harlan one is called Exorcist The Beginning, and it tanked, and everyone hated it. And then there was word around town, you know, or people were just like, well, the Paul Schrader one was actually good. And they just released that theatrically yeah. within months. Uh, called Dominion, a prequel to The Exorcist. Yes. That's a crazy yeah. thing that everyone forgot happened. That yeah. straight up happened. I had no idea about that until I was when I was in college. I hosted a monthly movie night at my school where it was a double feature. And someone approached me to do, um, he had written a book uh, about that. So I showed both those movies back to back. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, That's the way good. to do it, man. Yeah. I've done that, watched them both back to back. It's sort it's, of a, It's very interesting. It's a chore, but... Because they're both kind of slow yeah. and like one's not yeah. good and one is slow. Yeah. Yeah. But. So, um, but no, like I kind of, I mean, I'm really interested in the Halloween franchise now more so than I ever kind of was because of watching this one. Um, and if this is like, I don't know, I want to see four or five and six now, but I really kind of want to go back and I want to see part three. I want to see where they took that weird trip to a different thing. I think and you'd absolutely love part three would be so up your alley, dude, because I, it's I, like more of a sci-fi angle yeah. and it has a lot of cool effects and it's, it's like, it's fun. Yeah. I think I'll watch that soon. But, but uh, yeah, I, I do want to get acquainted with all these now. And especially because like, you know, I also like Jamie Lee Curtis and yeah. Why have I not just seen these, like, classic horror movies? Also, John Carpenter. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I, I've been introducing her slowly to John Carpenter. So we watched, you know, The Thing and They Live and Escape from New York. Yeah. Um, and so it's just because this is horror slasher, we don't watch that a lot in this house. Yeah. But I might try to go for that since it's a lighter. Oh. It's not like, it's not like. Early to mid two thousands horror, where it was all about like gore, and well, yeah, you're gonna want to steer clear of the yeah the zombie Halloweens. That's all that that the it's all because he's got to you know violence has got to be brutal, and I got to show violence for what it is. It's ugly and painful, but it's also still exploitative. You know, it's like mm -hmm. he's doing that, but it's still. He wrote it this way. Like, he made the movie, you know? I, yeah. I don't know. It's like, so, yeah, you'll have somebody like Daniel Harris, I think, is naked in one of the attacks because she gets, like, brutally handled by him in part one and lives and then is <laughs> brutally murdered by him in part two. And he's, they make him, they focus way in on his backstory and shit. And you watch one, and one is just, like, such a, it's it's one of those movies that like if you had problems with Friday Thirteenth to call back to your Stakeland episode Friday Thirteenth Part Four for being like a by the numbers slasher or whatever, you might feel that way about Halloween too. But you got to just remember that like that movie and I think Friday Thirteenth credit where credits due Part Four is kind of writing how it is. You know, mm -hmm. Friday Thirteenth Four is. I don't think I really got completed my thought about this what I meant last time we were talking about it but I just want to say it's like it is they're kind of like on two three and four it's like the same thing and they're like tightening it up they're just mm -hmm. fixing little things 
And like that's what I thought. I think four is like the perfect. It's finally tamed gotcha. to perfection by that movie. And so. I think I might be I might be tainted by I've seen what came after part four, mm-hmm. uh, 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 part of thirteenth final chapter. I've seen everything that like kind of came since then. Yeah, and I'm looking at it through that lens. So that's maybe why I didn't care for it as much um, because I'm watching it. I mean, I had seen it before, but I that's not when I really watch a lot, so I hadn't seen it in a long time, and it's just kind of like, ah, yeah. Yeah, so, I hear you. But, um, I don't know, but in this one, it, it did have enough in there to kind of keep me, especially that last half of the movie, I was like, man, this is great. If, if there's anything like this last half of the movie, I am definitely going to go check them out. Um, you know, and then again, Carpenter, it's just something I should watch anyway. Yeah, for sure. If you're a fan of him and you haven't seen Halloween, like what a gem to have in the pocket that you've never seen. Yeah. Although it's like it is early and lo-fi. That's kind of mm-hmm. what I was getting at is that part one is so you can show it on TV completely unedited except for uh, what's her name's nipples at one point. There's like very brief nudity of uh, PJ Souls. Oh, really? uh, yeah, in the movie, but from another movie we've done on here, Rock and Roll High School. Hell yeah. Uh, but, um, and one day we'll do, I don't know, Stripes? Yeah, or Carrie, maybe. Who knows? Should oh, yeah, a she's few movies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that part one is tame. You should watch it. Watch it with the wife. Get the kids. Gather them around. Get the dog, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, this is an interesting one for sure. It's an outlier, kind of stylistically, it's an outlier. It doesn't get talked about enough. That's why I wanted to just bring it up, just like have it on paper, talking mm-hmm. about it. How it's a, I think it's pretty good. I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It has some goofy shit in it that is obviously like a terrible misfire, like the cops and the music under the cops. <laughs> yeah, the cops who had their own theme, and that guy, man, it looks like. He's wearing a rubber mask, and like I recognize that guy too, but Let's I can't see. remember from what. The, one of the, the cops. Yeah, the one with like the big chin and the, the big ears, and hmm. um, <laughs> he's just so weird looking. And I was like, I recognize him too, but I can't put my finger on it. Um, oh, you mean the chief? They, not. I don't know the chief. No, he's one of the two cops. One oh, of the two okay. Cops. Okay. Um, and I don't know. He just he looked weird to me. He let me find him. I couldn't find any good photos of him either. But I was also on my phone. Um, Frankie Como, I think his name is. Hmm. Frank Como. Um. I'll say that um, the man in black, people get mad at the director for including that. But I I feel like in the spirit of people don't get mad at part four. It's like, well, part four ends on this insane cliffhanger where like the girl either, either what has happened is she like her in a hereditary way has she has what Michael has, the same mental issues, and now has been activated as a soulless killer when she's 10 on Halloween night, just like he has. But at this point, um, 
by part four, even it's just so like we're in the realm of like we now believe basically that he is supernatural, you know? Yeah. And like, especially in this movie where you have like telepathic shit, but for them to end on that, like, what can this director do but also add something crazy? And in his movie, and not explain it, you know, because they didn't exp- they didn't like leave him with the plan on what to do <laughs> next with the ending of part four. And this is what he yeah. did: he introduced the Man in Black, which people hate, but hey, you know, it is what it is. I I enjoy that he embraced the weirdness and just like how like whatever, you know, he's mm-hmm. still not. He still was trying to make a scary movie, and I think there is some really fucking good scary shit in this. Mm-hmm. And I love yeah, Tina. I, Tina too is great. Yeah, and so again, like a lot of this, you know, it was really hitting on. You know, I, I thought it was over at a certain point. I'm like, oh no, it's only halfway over. Mm-hmm. And they start introducing all these new people, and then thankfully, like the guy with the car, I'm like, oh man, and so he dies thankfully they got rid of him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, great. Fantastic. No more of him. Um, and so you still got to go through like the whole like get killed after having sex thing in the barn. The barn is weird. I like the yeah. kittens being covered in blood. That's a weird <laughs> Frenchman type. No, yeah. only a European would do something weird like that, you know. <laughs> um, but I don't know, like how how much does the psychic stuff kind of come into, or were you explaining that? Not that at really all. The, the end of part four at all, or is it just the beginning of this? Movie? It's like maybe a little bit in part four hinted at, and then it's full on into it with this one. And then the next one is like Paul Rudd fighting Michael Myers with like runes and stuff. And like <laughs> full on man and man in black reveal. And, they ruin the Loomis character. The Loomis character is at peak manic insanity in this. Pleasance is, he like had more, he gets like incinerated and killed at the end of two, but he is, that's why he has weird burn marks on his face. Oh, because he didn't really die. Yeah. Back. But he's like, I've, I lived. Yeah, he's an all time character in the first two movies. And then. What they do later in the Akkad years in this weird trilogy is, you know, it is what it is. It's sort of regrettable, but also a lot of fun. I think I love, yes, I gotta, you know, like he's just like, he's great in this, you know, he's sort of like a scary, abusive, drunk old man. He's like, he's just so obsessed with like Michael. Yeah. He's like putting this girl in harm's way and shit and that whole weird scene. In the he's just like going stuff. down the stairs and he's like, come, come down, get her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get the girl. And just, yeah, like, wow. Well, so I had read about how he was extra crazy in this movie. Yes. His character. And so I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense because it's part five and he's probably been in all the movies. Um, and he's just like been trying to contain this fucking psycho. Yeah. And it's just it's driving him crazy. Um, so that to- and then he's I'm like, well, he's burned too. So yeah. obviously something fucked him up. So I'm like, I'm totally okay with him being whatever he is in this movie. Yeah. Um, if I had, if I had had a better relationship with the characters by watching the other movies, then maybe. But um, 
coming into it cold, I think it, it fit fine in that context. It was just kind of like, yeah. Everything, I mean, I don't know, most stuff seemed to like fit in this movie. It kind of like, it stood alone. It referenced the first movie at the very beginning. It told me what I needed to know. I got the... I got the the notion of what all the characters' motivation was, and it seemed yeah. pretty in line with something that had been ongoing for a while. So I'm like, okay, that must be who they are. <laughs> and there was enough going on that let me just kind of enjoy the movie. And man, I, I, I really want to emphasize like the back half, how great and horror and actioning that became. You know, when they're in that house, and you, I, I forgot the, the the character actor's name, Troy Evans. Is that him? Oh, the cop. Yeah. I love who, that guy, man. That actor is so good. Um, he always plays a policeman or something. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite movies that he's in is uh, is uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He has a small part yes. where he's, when they go back to Vegas and it's like this police officer's convention. Yeah. And he's screaming at Christopher Maloney at the hotel desk. <laughs> and he's so good as this, like, this fucking asshole cop. Yeah. Um, but in this movie, he's again a cop, but he is like <laughs> weirdly kind of a good cop who um, is kind of dopey and is not fully aware of what's going on, but has the safety of that girl. Yeah. You know, that is his, that is what he needs to do. And that he's going to do everything he can to, to make her as safe as possible, whether he, he succeeds a- or not. Kindly sheriff vibe yeah. to him. Yes. And he, pl- and he plays it off just like very well. And it's just like, but then, you know, also watching Fear and Loathing, it's like, okay, that could be a very different cop or that could be the same cop. Yeah. Like in a different situation. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Great to see him. He is, uh, you might also recognize him from, uh, I don't know. Ace. Ace Ventura. Yeah. Pet Detective, which is a movie you should never watch again. Uh, but also, he played a cop in Demolition Man. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he pops up in that our era, like, of when we were kids. He's all over that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, he's great a character actor. He's a great character actor, for sure. I love that you brought up, I would say Fear and Loathing is one that really sticks out for me, too, of where when he showed up in that movie, I was like, awesome you know like i, he, I, I mean it's just one scene great. that he yeah. just kills it he just like his yeah. wife starts crying like look what you did look what you did yeah yeah totally that it's felt like so a, i felt like a coen brothers movie or something for a minute yeah. like in that scene i'm surprised he should be in is he alive anymore yeah he's alive yeah he should have been he's, in a uh, Coen Brothers movie. Maybe he isn't like Raising Arizona. It feels like he'd be in something that they made. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he is one of those like Coen Brothers uh, players. Yeah, um, I don't think he. I don't think he is. Not that I can think of, but no, I don't. I mean, but he seems like very at home in that. Yes. In their world, yes. which kind of surprised me that he hasn't been. So. But yeah, Halloween Five. It's weird. I'm so fucking delighted that you. Liked, seemed to have liked it. You at least had no problem with it or enjoyed it. That's yeah. that's a lot of fun to me, Will, because people do hate it. Uh, I watched this twice. Oh, like, really? I had to watch this twice in a row. Yeah, so like, <laughs> it does, it is very slow. So I think, had I not watched it twice, I might not have had as high of an opinion of it. But yeah, just seeing that second half the second time it really kind of like 
kicked into gear, it really started to become something enjoyable and really entertaining and something I wanted to follow. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, yeah, um, this is worth sitting through twice. Um, you know, it didn't make me mad at all. It, didn't, yeah. it wasn't stupid in any way. It just kind of like was a continuation on it, but like, so, yeah. Yeah, it, it has like a look and a slickness to it that existed for a few years too it's 89 but it's very since it's french i think it's really like american 90 you know mm -hmm. like it, it it there's like this period of time Candyman is in there but really yeah. i think like single white female um just like some of those there's like this slickness in the 90s mm -hmm. where like it's all about style and shit and that movie this movie reflects that it's part of that yeah. like i i love the look of it there's lots of good, just like, I don't know. It just looks great to me. Yeah. I, it's a different, and it's different for the rest of the series and stuff. Yeah. And I think it's, like I said, the other movie tries a little bit more to be traditional, but it comes up flat because it's just the artistry isn't there to recreate what yeah. Carpenter was doing. And this is taking a big swing in a different direction and succeeding, in my opinion. So. Cool. Well, why don't we go ahead and take a break and yeah. come back with the big round up. Let's round it up. Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. Have you ever enjoyed a palava? Is it good to be the dog's dinner? Who is this Bob and why is he your uncle? For the answers to all these questions, you'll have to listen to our podcast, Boo to a Goose, breaking down British and American expressions and idioms. We use them, define them, and explain their history, all in a short, digestible format. So go ahead and check out Boo to a Goose wherever you get your podcasts. Cheerio! That means goodbye. <laughs> Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said, SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. Welcome back to Cathode Ray Mission. We're going to do the big roundup. Uh,. But I'm gonna kick it over to Big Willie style. Give me your hit, your one to or zero to five rating on Halloween Five: Revenge of Michael Myers. This movie, I am giving a big three stars to. Damn, um, that's high for it. you. It was very high. I mean, it just it it did not do anything to really disappoint. Uh, being dropped into to the fifth installment of a horror franchise that I was, that I'm not really very aware of and being able to follow along 
and really enjoyed part like some parts of it I thought were great. Um, especially when compared to watching Friday the 13th, the final chapter, uh, multiple times as well. I watched that twice over the weekend. Damn, and you um, didn't like, that just blows my mind that you didn't yeah. like that movie, but fair enough. Uh, I didn't care for it. Um, but this one, I think, it, it held enough of my attention. It had enough going on for it. The characters were good enough that, um, yeah, I think this was, um, I'm, this might change as I, get into the rest of the series, but I think three stars, solid, solidly well done, enough going on for it, not enough bad stuff to give it a lower rating. So, yeah, three stars. Well, that's music to my ears, Will. <laughs> Although it makes me think about how you gave Pow Wow Highway, my favorite movie of all time, three stars as well, and I don't know. How that makes me feel, but uh, I'm going to give Halloween 5 Revenge of Michael Myers three and a half out of five stars. I think technically on your scale, you gave it a higher rating than I did versus how I rate movies. But Probably, yeah. <laughs> I, I really like this movie a lot. I think it's, I mean, I picked it. I specifically wanted to talk about this movie. I mean, someday, I don't know. You know, you give a movie, I don't know why. I have it three and a half on Letterboxd. I could easily bump it up to four. You know, maybe when I'm laying on my deathbed and it's like, Randy, you got time to watch 10 movies. I could see myself picking this movie. If I was in the mood for this kind of thing, I like, I really like this kind of, this movie. You know, I mean, yeah. I love part one. But there's something to the style of this. Like I was saying, I mean, this came out when I was about five. I was probably aware of it when I'm like six looking at a video store. Mm -hmm. And just like, there's just something about the look and the feel of this one in particular that does it for me big time. And I, I really like it a lot. So, yeah. you know what? I'm going to go ahead and live. I'm going to bump it up to four stars out of five. Four stars. Yeah. So I want to, you know, I, I would like to mention this that it does take place during Halloween and it's one of those great movies where that Halloween aesthetic really kind of bleeds through into the everything you see they go into places they're, you know, they're going to a costume party there's a costume party scene mm -hmm. um, and you know you see all the stuff on the wall like the paper cutouts of jack lanterns and stuff and the fact that the, the movie starts out with this great like pumpkin cutting montage oh yeah which uh, is weird for great. the series but it's awesome that's like such it's a, so good. a sweet opening yeah I, so I totally forgot about that until like this moment I'm like oh yeah that, that whole pumpkin carving intro uh, is great and just the Halloween aesthetic kind of carries on through uh, this whole thing and I don't know I'm, I'm really going to take take time to, to watch through the rest of the series and kind of check it out I might avoid the, the Rob Zombie ones, but man, that David Gordon Green one, now that I know that he, I had no idea that he directed that. that oh, yeah. One. And I'm like, holy shit. Uh, I got to see what that's all about. So Yeah, definitely yeah. watch part, don't watch that until you've watched part one first before, and then yeah. that's like the base level knowledge you need to watch all, any of the other ones then, mm -hmm. but watch part one, especially for the Gordon Green one is like, attempting to be a direct sequel that's a i had big issues with that though man i felt like yeah. it was honestly kind of poorly directed you know mm. like th having watched it a bunch of times 
Now, there's like moments in it that are like God tier, some of the best slasher shit we've seen all century, even. Like, mm -hmm. there's like this extended, like, single shot walking scene through a neighborhood where he murders a couple people in like a couple minutes. And it's like, it's fucking amazing. But then there's scenes that look like a horrible homage to like Tony Scott or something where mm -hmm. it's like, they, it looks like they had 10 different camera angles and they're all whooshing and they edited this like interaction. And it's like, why did you do it? Like, like just of all people fucking like mimic, if you're going to make it a direct sequel and also don't call it Halloween, just Halloween. That's yeah. so annoying. But if you're going to make it like, so faithfully like a direct sequel and we're gonna like you know in a serious way deal with all this shit it's like fucking mimic it, the style then dude yeah like absolutely mimic carpenter's style but no he didn't do that he it's just it's weird man it's a movie i think is incredibly dumb that gets a lot of things right but a lot of things heinously wrong and it mm -hmm. It, it's one of those movies that's going to have to marinate for like 15 years, like Halloween yeah. H2O, before it becomes good again. Which Halloween H2O, now I have reassessed as maybe the greatest sequel. But, oh, really? Yeah, I like Halloween H2O a lot. But anyway. Very cool. So what do you got <laughs> for recommendations on this one? Uh, outside of the Halloween franchise, what would you recommend? Oh, Big R, Randy, Big R Simpson... Um, I'm going to say, I don't know, you know, like, like I said, this has like sort of a, a weird, that cusp, like 89 to 93, it has like this, this vibe and this slickness and this attitude that I love, you know, that just reminds me of maybe just when I was really logging on into the world and like taking things in and. There's all this adult things that I want to know about and stuff. So I, I don't know, man, like what this, I think this movie is great. I, I recommend all the Halloween movies, Friday 13th. I'm not such a big, um, Nightmare on Elm Street fan, but I like, I like those. I've, I've seen them all mm -hmm. tons of times and stuff. Um, damn. Yeah. I'm really coming up short with something that exactly captures this mood yeah. and feeling this movie is so special and unique to me oh maybe child's play 2 sort of approaches this like child's play 2 is a like a dark horse a lot of people who are like our age around our age that's one that gets brought up a lot because it has this like tour de force ending where he chases them through the factory where they make the dolls that look like oh, him wow. and it's it's just like, I don't know. So, and that's in that, this period where like the, the girl that helps Andy, she's like another foster kid at the house. She has that look and that feel to her. I love Tina. A lot of fans of the series hate Tina. Really? Yeah. Because she's too, I don't know. I love how alive she is. You know, she yeah. really, they let her go for it. They, she brings a certain energy that's not always what you get from a final girl. It's certainly much different than Jamie Lee Curtis or Rachel. Rachel, the yeah. girl who gets killed in the house, she's like the main, she's the, the girl, the main girl in part four. Yeah. And so it's like a surprise or whatever that she gets killed. But I just, I love Tina. I just think Tina's 
bubbly and fun. She sacrifices yeah, I, herself for Jamie, like heroically. It's, I love her. She's awesome. I, I think that I expected her to die way earlier than she did and yeah. her to not be as kind of well thought out as she was. So, yeah, it's just that, that is something where it is a character that you usually see that in a slasher movie. They get knocked off pretty, pretty early on. And to have her be kind of the last one of the last people protecting uh, that little girl was like, I don't know. I was like, wow, she really, you know, sacrificed herself for for, for her. Yeah. Put herself, you know, her in the friend's way slow. sister. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good stuff. I mean, I I think yeah. Tina. I'm glad we didn't let that get by. I think Tina. It's great. I love and I love a great one crack at the bat and you hit it out of the park. Even if you never got to. She's not in a lot of other movies, but I think mm -hmm. that actor uh, is. She's fantastic in, in the movie yeah. Miss Tina but anyway so I I don't have any other recommendations on this one simply because I'm so new to Halloween and this one kind of was on its own so I'm going to hold off on any recommendations for this week until I can watch more of these movies so that's the spooky truth everybody <laughs> uh, Randy you got any Halloween plans anything big coming up on Halloween oh hell no I don't know I'm you know, I think I was about to say, now that you brought it, the cat's out of the bag about how we say, look behind the peek behind the curtain or whatever. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, I mean, it's like it's September as I sit and speak right now. So, yeah, I think the world will be probably in it. We're going to be lucky if it's in this good of shape as we are right now. Hopefully it's not worse, you know, yeah. but I don't think it's going to be. I don't think COVID will be cured by the time this episode's out. Depending on if I if I do this, if I put this episode out at the end of October around Halloween, we'll be very quickly approaching the election and oh, deciding Jesus whether or not Christ. this world is going to continue existing or not. Um, so, yeah, uh, whatever, you know, stay sane no matter what happens. You know, um, look to the people around you who, you know, care for you regardless. Um, make changes locally. That's the first step uh, to fighting anything that, <coughs> any injustices that may be sent uh, from the top down. You always have power locally. Um, and uh, never talk to the police. So, Yes, the police are the spookiest people of all. Yeah. And people who act like. Just cops in general. That doesn't just apply to the police. Yeah. Anyone that's a cop. Captain America uh, is a cop. Don't you know give any candy to uh, children of police officers. Do not speak to them. Do not give them credit for putting out some fucking Macarena video or whatever they're doing. <laughs> um, How would you ever know if a kid was the, the kid of a cop, though? Uh, any kid that dresses up as a cop. Or, oh, shit. I don't know. Know, know your neighbors. If, if someone's in your neighborhood trick-or-treating, um, you should know who they are and whether or not they're a cop. So. I don't know if people are going to be doing that at all with the masks. No, they're probably not going to be trick-or-treating this year. Who knows? Anyway, um, be so, safe out there. Yeah. I like that you're holding—I I wish everyone could see you holding a flashlight. I've got a flashlight, flashlight under my chin. 
Super spooky recording. This is super spooky. Okay. I can't believe I came uh, up short with... I'm just talking about the look and the feel of this. Obviously, just go watch all horror movies ever made. Watch any of them. I, like, suck it down, you know? The world's yeah. a scary place. It helps helps massage out your fears. For me, it does. It's a good way to do the, do my thing, you know, and to live my life. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, with that, I think that's just about it. Um, as far as I go, um, Nerd Rage of the Great Debates, there's a great Halloween sequels uh, championship, two-episode championship that should be going on either now when this episode airs or end of October if it comes out earlier. Um, Randy's on both of those episodes as our guest judge. Yeah. He'll be judging the arguments over the best horror sequel. Uh, best part two, uh, we should be specific. So it's only the part twos that we argued uh, on that episode. So check yes. that out. See who walked away with the belt, the cursed championship belt. I already forgot. I remember they did a good job. Oh, I remember now. They did a great yeah. job. Yep. Uh, so check that out. Uh, and we will be back again next week with another movie to watch. And until then, Randy. I'll see you later. Ooh, goodbye, Will. <laughs> <laughs>